0: and blessing of God on their life. Father, we thank you as well that uh, you have given this church and the other churches in our community the privilege of partnering with our schools. May they find us here for them, not only at the beginning, but all through the year in any way that we can to support them in what they do for this great community. God, would you bless our homeschoolers for the great work that they do and the load that they have on them. This we all pray in that precious and strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, today we want to start a series on the parables of Jesus. And I want to start with one of my favorite parables of Jesus. Is it really fair to say that about any of the things that Jesus says my favorite? But the parable that sometimes is called the parable of the prodigal son. But there's actually more going on than just the prodigal son story. Jesus actually tells a grand narrative with three movements, with three stories to prove a point about the love of God. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15 in just a moment. So if you want to go ahead and find your place there, Luke chapter 15. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We'll put it up on the screen as well if it makes it a little easier to follow along. But there is just nothing like seeing God's Word with your own eyes. Uh, So if you have a copy of God's Word, open up to Luke chapter 15. You know, I grew up in Valdosta, Georgia. I was born in Alabama, but really Valdosta and Lake Park, Georgia was home for me. And I remember as a child on Brookwood Drive in Valdosta seeing my sister Sharon do something I had never seen done before. She took a flower out of our flower bed, and she started plucking the petals. And with each petal, she would say something. She plucked a petal, he loves me, he loves me not. I'd never seen that before. I said, what are you doing? And she told me that she wanted to know if a boy at school loved her. And so she went through. I don't remember how it ended, but I do know there are some girls who would rig it to make sure it ended on he loves me. And so I'm not sure whatever happened with that relationship in elementary school for my sister Sharon, but I can tell you this, sometimes we wonder about the love of other people. But even greater than that, we wonder about the love of God. Could God love me? Does God love me? I don't always have my act together. Could he love me? I've made mistakes in my life. Could he still love me? I have sinned. I have not even lived up to my own standards of right or wrong, much less God's standards of right or wrong. Could he love me? Maybe you're sitting here this morning wondering, does God love me? I have no doubt that he loves this person and that person, but I struggle to know that God, if he really knows me, could love me for who I am. And if that's who you are, I want you to know today from the lips of Jesus, the answer, God loves you. And you don't have to rig it. He has proven it and demonstrated it. And Jesus came into this world to reveal the love of God for you. But sometimes we not only struggle to believe that God could love us, sometimes once we get saved or we get in church or we get spiritual, We question not whether God loves me. We start questioning whether God loves that person. Does God love her? Could God love a Republican? Could God love a Democrat? Could God love that person with a different skin color than me? Could God love that kind of person who struggles with a different sin than I struggle with? And we start questioning not whether God loves me, but how could God love those people? And there again, we can look to Jesus for the answer. Does God love them? Yes, he does. With the same grace he loves you with. And so what Jesus does in Luke 15 is he confronts some people who were either feeling unloved or people who were questioning, how could God love people like that? And why does Jesus hang out with those kinds of people? So in Luke 15, what we're going to see today is that God is love. And because God loves, he loves to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's start with Luke 15, verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners. That's a group of people. Tax collectors, you know what they are. They're Jews who would collect taxes from their fellow Jews and send it on to the Roman Empire that had conquered Israel and through those taxes continued to oppress Israel. And because of that, the tax collectors were hated people among the Jewish people. They considered them traitors to their nation, and they considered them ungodly. So these people and sinners were drawing near to him, to Jesus. Sinners, that's a word for all those people who don't live up to the rules and regulations of the 613 traditions of the Pharisees. And if you don't regulate every moment of every life and do it exactly like they think you should, you're a sinner. You ever felt that way judged by people who are very legalistic because you don't live like they live? And they say, God can't love people like you. He only loves people like me. These are the tax collectors and the sinners that were looked down on by the Pharisees and the scribes. It says in verse 2 And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, do you hear the scorn in their voices as they talk about Jesus? This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. You see, that's the context of the parable that Jesus is about to give. He hears the grumblings of people who say, if Jesus is from God, how can he hang out with these kind of people? If Jesus is from God, how can he love these kind of people, hang out with these kind of people? And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And so the first story he tells them is the story of a lost sheep. And when I hear the story of Jesus and a lost sheep, I think about the initiative of God's love. Just as this shepherd is going to go seek that one sheep that is lost, God himself seeks us when we are lost. So so here's how Jesus tells the story. Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders Rejoicing, that's a key word by the way, rejoicing. Verse six, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Verse seven, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. You want to grumble about me hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Which man among you, if you had 100 sheep, 99 are safe, one's lost, wouldn't leave the 99, go search for that one that's lost? And whenever you search and you rescue that lost sheep, you're excited because you care for that sheep. It's valuable to you and you're rejoicing on your way home, you get home, you call your friends and your neighbors, and you say, rejoice with me, the sheep that was lost is found. And everybody in the audience is going, yeah, that makes sense, you know, I agree, I would do that. Or I, I know my, my father would do that. And Jesus says, don't you get it? Just like that. That's how God is when one sinner is redeemed. When one sinner comes home, Heaven throws a party. God rejoices. And because God loves, that's why I love. Because I'm here to reveal the love of God. By the way, whenever I read the story of Jesus about that lost sheep, I don't think about you being the lost sheep. You know, I first think about me. That was me. We sang in the first service, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That was me. And long before I ever thought of God, God was thinking of me. And in his sovereign grace, he searched for me. He took the initiative to send his son into the world to live a perfect life where I have lived a sinful life. He sent Jesus to die to take my punishment. And Jesus rose from the dead on the third day so that I could be forgiven of my sin and I could be found and saved. By the grace of God. And that is probably your story as well. If you've trusted Christ. You know what it is. To be that lost sheep. Where God came looking for you. Jesus isn't finished though. He goes on and he tells another story. It's the story of a lost coin. Now if the story of the lost sheep. Reveals to us the initiative of God's love. The story of the lost coin. Reveals the intensity. Of God's love. The intensity of of God's love. So so Jesus continues in Luke 15 verse 8. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, here's that word again, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Jesus says, just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus says, okay, let's stop talking about the guys for a moment, let's talk about the the women. What woman among you, if you lose one of your 10 coins, silver coins, one coin that's worth a whole day's worth of work, would not turn the house upside down to find that lost coin? And this coin is really lost, it's not husband lost. That's what Donna calls it. When I lose something, it's husband lost. Because I'll t- I, I can't find it. Where is it? Did you move it? I don't see it. I've looked everywhere. She'll walk in the room and it's right here where I told you. Well, it wasn't there two seconds ago because I looked there. But there could be things I just don't see evidently. No, this coin is not husband lost. It was really lost. And she lights a candle. She sweeps the floor. She looks in every corner. She looks under the furniture until she finds that valuable coin to her and when she finds it she's filled with joy and her joy overflows that she wants others to join her in her party so she calls her neighbors come let's have a party I found that coin I've been worried about and stressed about you've been praying I'd find it thank you I found it let's have a party Jesus says don't you see that's the same kind of joy but on a grander scale that God the Father has when just one sinner just one turns from their sin and comes home, is found, is recovered. And there again, I don't have to think about you whenever I think about this story. I think about me being that lost coin, could never have saved myself, could never have found myself. Only God could do that through Jesus. And then Jesus goes to the next part of his story that's probably the most well-known parable the story of a lost son. Actually, it's really the story of two lost sons. But the parable of the lost son talks to us about the inclusion of God's love. If the lost sheep tells us about the initiative of God's love, that he comes seeking to save us, if the lost coin reveals us the intensity of God's love, just like that woman was diligent in finding that coin, God is intense in finding us the story of the lost son reveals the inclusion of God's love. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. doesn't matter how far you've strayed. doesn't matter what people say behind your back. doesn't matter what kind of reputation you have. God's love includes you. Don't ever doubt it. Now, don't take my word for it. Jesus puts it this way in Luke 15 verse, thir- uh, verse 11. He said, there, there was a man who had two sons And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, think about this. In that day, as well as in our day, to get an inheritance, someone has to die. And this young man wants his inheritance before his father dies. He's saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want you in my life. I don't need you in my life. I want what's coming to me, and I want it now. You can't die fast enough. I want you out of my life. I lost my father in December, and there's nothing I wouldn't give to have just a few minutes with him again. So I cannot think of anything more arrogant and hurtful than for this son to treat his father like this. But you know, his father loved his son, even though his son was being so rude. Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And it says in verse 12, he divided his property between them. He said, son, I love you. And I'm actually going to give you what you've asked for. You know, sometimes one of the things that God does to teach us lessons is he actually gives us what we prayed for. So when we realize it's not going to work out very good, we realize we probably ought to come home. So he gives him his inheritance In the Bible, Jesus tells us in this story that not a a few days later, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country. In other words, he's a Jew and he goes to a Gentile country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living, the English Standard Version says. This in the Greek is where we get the word prodigal from or reckless or lavish, that's what the word means. So he goes and he spends everything, he squanders, wastes everything on lavish, reckless living. It's all good as long as the money is in the bank and the wine is flowing. But eventually, you run out of money and the party is over. Verse 14, And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Wait a minute. Why is he in need? Where are all of his friends that were at the party? Oh, that's interesting. They're not around. When the going gets tough, those friends get going. They were only in it when the going was good. They were only in it as long as you were paying for the beer. They were only in it as long as you gave the party that they wanted to come to. But when you are in need, you'll discover those friends were really fair weather friends. They weren't your friends at all. Money is gone. Friends gone. Loneliness and bankruptcy take their place. What's this boy going to do? Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Now that may not sound scandalous to us in the 21st century, especially in Georgia, that this Jewish boy went to a pig farm and had to tend the hogs. I grew up in South Georgia, and my granny had hogs. I was there to slop the hogs, to water the hogs. We were there to slaughter the hogs. So I understand this. It doesn't sound very scandalous to me at all. I love bacon. That's one of my spiritual languages, love languages, (laughs) is bacon. But this is a Jewish boy that Jesus is talking about. To be in a Gentile territory working in a pig farm is to be ceremonially and spiritually defiled and unclean. Jesus is painting the picture that this Jewish boy has hit rock bottom. And now he is hoping that he could just eat what the pigs are eating. He is so hungry and he is so lonely. No one will give him anything. Have you ever hit rock bottom? I may have told you when I was here the first time that it was my father who, before he passed, told me his testimony again. I knew it, but it was just good to hear him say it again. He said, Ricky, you and your mom and your sister, your brother, you would get up on Sunday morning and you would get ready and you'd be so excited to go to church. All of you had gotten saved, and I would sit home and I would drink my beer. He said, I was miserable. And then a few hours later, you would come home and y'all would burst through the door so happy and excited talking about what you had learned at church that day and I was miserable. He said, time and again, that cycle happened. And one Sunday morning, he said, you all bounced out the door to go to church and I sat there with my beer in my hand. My dad was an alcoholic, you see. He couldn't control his drinking And he said, I I watched you all walk out the door and I said to myself, what are you doing? This is gonna kill you and you're gonna lose your family. What are you doing? And he said, I got up and I went into the kitchen and I poured it all down the drain. And I said, Jesus, this stuff has had me long enough. You can have me now. And it changed my dad's life. And it changed our family. But my dad had to hit rock bottom. He had to finally come to himself. And look at verse 17. But when he came to himself, that's the key moment. When you come to yourself realizing this life without the Father is not so good. This life without the Father with me is not working out like I planned. This life that I thought would bring me pleasure and satisfaction and purpose and meaning has brought me nothing but heartache and loneliness and separation from the very Father who loves me. He came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. In other words, this boy's wanting to go home. He's not sure if home wants him. And he says, I know I can never go back and be treated like my dad's boy after how I treated him, but maybe he'll just let me work in the field like a servant. So he gets his speech ready and he starts on his way home. Verse 20, Jesus says, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt, how would you feel in that next word? What did this father feel? Maybe you would say felt indignation. How could that boy show his face around here after what he's done? Anger, revenge. But that's not what Jesus says this father felt. Jesus says when he saw him, he felt compassion. That is love put into action. This father felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Dignified older Jewish men did not run in public. It's not what you do. And I try to emulate that. I just don't run in public, you know. But he runs. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care what people say about him behind his back. He runs out to greet his son. And this son who has just come from the pigsty, who stinks to high heaven, he doesn't care. He grabs him, embraces him, kisses him, and rejoices that his son has come home. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Then the father cuts him off Mid-sentence, verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hands, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate, because his boy had come home. There again, I don't have to look at this story and see you when I see a lost sheep or a lost coin or a lost son. I see me. And if you have any spiritual discernment whatsoever, Christian, you recognize yourself in this story. That was you. That was you. But you came home to God in faith. And God welcomed you with open arms. And he restored you to the family not a servant you're a son you're a daughter of God himself and that is the story Jesus is trying to reveal the love of God the love of God for all of us it's inclusive no matter who you are no matter what you have done and there's some people in this church perhaps maybe right here this morning who need to know it once and for all God loves you with an everlasting arm with an everlasting love, and his arms are open wide. Is it time for you to come home? Life's not working out like you thought it would, is it? The world promised riches and pleasure, but they pay in counterfeit money. There's only one who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. That is God himself. He welcomes you. Come home. You say, but I've messed up. I've made a mess of my life. People talk behind my back. Doesn't matter. You come home. He will welcome you. With open arms. And by the way, if you are praying for someone who needs to come home, keep praying. You see, this father was looking down that lonely road every day, praying his son would come home. And when he saw him afar off, he ran to him. I'm gonna tell you keep looking down that road of hope that your child, that your daughter, that your son, that your grandson or granddaughter, that your spouse, that your friend, your neighbor, your co worker who's lost and separated from God will come home. Keep looking down that road, because you're not the only one looking down the road. God the Father is looking as well. And they have a party. They have a party for this. My son was dead, and is alive again, was lost and is found. They begin to celebrate. But the church folks weren't happy. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say church folks? The older son wasn't happy. You see, sometimes church folks they forget what it's like to be saved. they have gotten over being saved a long time ago. They become legalistic, pharisaical, judgmental, and they have forgotten they weren't too good to be damned. They were lost and only the grace of God saved them. And sometimes whenever they come to church, rather than rejoicing that they've been found by the Father's love and rejoicing when others are found, they just kind of judge and look down their nose at the people. What is she doing here? <laughs> I can't believe he walked in the door. I hope the roof don't fall in. And they forget it's the same grace of God that will save that sinner that saved them. So look, look at what happened. Luke 15, verse 25. Now, the, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him. In other words, come on in, son. Don't stand out here having a pity party. But he answered his father, verse 29, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, do you hear the scorn again? Can't say my brother. He says, this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive, he was lost and is found. And the story ends. It feels like a cliffhanger, doesn't it? You say, whoa, whoa, Jesus, time out. How did the older brother finally respond? Did he finally come out of the field, into the house and join the party? Did he have a change of heart towards his brother? Did he finally realize, man, I got a good father he has got a big heart of love Or did he stay out there in his judgmental pity party? Jesus doesn't tell us. Maybe it's because Jesus wants you to finish the story. How are you gonna respond? Are you the prodigal son who needs to come home and be saved and welcomed by the Father? Maybe today's that day for you. Or are you like the older son? You're already saved, you're part of the Father's family, but your heart's not with the Father. You don't rejoice over what makes the Father rejoice. When we had baptisms, Oh, you were just kind of checked out. Let's move on. See, Jesus says, how are you going to respond? If you have any inclination of the big heart of our Father, you will join the party, and you will help others come to the Father. Amen? In First Baptist Blairsville, one of the reasons I felt called to this church Well, it's because I believe the heartbeat of this church is that no one in Union County ever questioned whether God the Father loves them. Through Jesus, he has proven it, and you are gonna make sure they hear it. And I wanted to be a part of a church like that. We've got family members and friends and neighbors who desperately need Jesus, and we've got a heavenly Father who wants to seek and to save those who are lost, and he wants us to join the party. Let's join the party. And others of you, today's the day for you to trust Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Your mama's been praying for you. It's time to give your heart to Jesus. Your wife's been praying for you, sir. You've been giving your life to everything else. It's time to give your life to him. In the first service, there was a 96-year-old man, 97-year-old man, made his way with some help down to this altar he fell on his face before God in prayer and I was told later he's praying for his family to come to faith in Jesus let me tell you something somebody's praying for you today you can answer their prayer by coming home to God I'm gonna ask our musicians to come I want to lead us in a word of prayer this is really the most important time of this service where we respond to God. If you're in the balcony, make your way down if you need to trust Christ, if you need to join this church, if you need to pray at the altar for someone you love and you want to see come home to Jesus. For those of you here, make your way to the front. Let's pray together and let's respond in faith and obedience to what God wants to do in this place. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a loving God. Thank you for sending Jesus to prove it once and for all that you have come to seek and to save those who are lost. And God... Those of us who have trusted Jesus, we are living proof that you're a loving God and you welcomed us home when we turned from our sin and believed in Jesus Christ. God, there are others that need to do the same thing. With your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, friend, maybe that's you. You need Jesus. It's time to come home. Why don't you pray right where you are? He'll hear you and say, Dear Jesus. That's right. Pray in your heart. He'll hear you. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I admit to you I'm a sinner. I've strayed, I'm lost. Life's not with good without you. I need you in my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, taking the punishment of all the wrong I've ever done or ever will do. If that's not love, I don't know what is, but Jesus, you died and you rose from the dead to prove I can trust you, to prove you can save me and forgive me, to prove you can make me right with the Father in heaven. And all you ask me to do is turn from my sin and believe in you. So today, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and you're a Savior. Save me today. Change my life today as I turn to you. I'm going to come home today. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in this moment as we respond in faith and obedience to you. In Christ's name we pray.